following sermon is from Dr. Dan Kitnoya, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Tilton, Illinois. If you've never reached out to Calvary before, we'd like to hear from you. Visit our website, calvarytilton.com. That's calvarytilton.com. And now, here's Dr. Dan. All right. If you have your copy of the Scriptures, join me if you would in Ephesians chapter... Five, Ephesians chapter 5, as I was looking over the text, I felt inclined to look at the broader, the wider context, so we're actually going to look begin at, at some point we're going to be looking from chapter 4 verse 25 and onward, but we're going to be talking about the need to watch your mouth, watch your mouth. The other day Chrissy and I were at a restaurant and we had to talk to one of the employees about a question uh, that we had, and it was a friendly conversation, cordial in every way. But what stood out to me was that right before she left to go solve the problem, she let out a cuss word. Pleasantly stated, of course. It was her just being herself. And then she walked away to get an answer. But what I noticed was not just her four-letter word that started with an S. I also noticed the cross hanging below her neck. I'm not sure which was out of place, the cross or the cuss word. Either way, something was off. I don't know if I'm becoming an old fuddy-duddy or maybe it's just the effect of having kids, but bad language stands out to me like a sore thumb. It didn't used to. And people, it seems, use bad words all the time. In personal conversation, in tweets, on Facebook. They put bumper stickers on their car with foul language. Apparently it has become cool for some women to put bumper stickers indicating that a female dog drives the car. And then there are t-shirts and jean jackets and leather jackets with cuss words plastered all over them. And none of this should surprise us. That is... It should not surprise us when unbelievers do this, but it should surprise us when we who profess faith in Jesus Christ use foul language and do so rather casually. Because as we shall see, for the child of God, there is an expectation of transformation, including a transformation of how we speak. We see that in Ephesians chapter 5. Please stand if you're able to in honor of the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, and then we're going to skip down to verse 4. But keep your Bible open. We're going to look at the entire passage in context. But these verses set the stage. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to, to God. Verse 4, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for today and the opportunity to gather together in studying of the word and in worship. We thank you for this church family, pray that your spirit would move in our midst And help us to grow as Christians. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
As a kid, I hate to say this, but I had my mouth washed out with soap on at least one occasion. And when I got serious about following the Lord Jesus, one of the things that needed to change about me was my language. I cussed a lot. I would use foul language at work, foul language at the basketball course, but only when I missed shots. And unfortunately, I missed a lot of shots, so I cussed a lot. I think that I used to embarrass my older brother because when we played basketball together, I missed a lot. And even he had enough of hearing the bad language. Foul language was something about me that had to change. And so I can remember the day after I'd been growing in the Lord and I was at the gym and I overheard this guy cussing. How dare he? He was cussing a lot. And I was offended by his language. Take it somewhere else, I thought. But then I thought, what a hypocrite I am. But then it occurred to me, my language had been changing. And so now foul language that seemed rather natural to me, it was a native tongue perhaps, had become offensive. Because I had been changing. Actually, God had been changing me. And according to the book of Ephesians, we should expect change. To give you a broad sweep of the book of Ephesians to get you a sense of the context, the first three chapters of Ephesians gives us a deep explanation of the majesty of God, the greatness of our salvation, and we are told in there the cold hard facts. Before we come to faith in Jesus, we are all sinners following the lust of the flesh, the pattern of this world, and Satan himself. We were by nature children of wrath because the world, the flesh, and the devil were our dance partners and we followed their lead. We are saved, however, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, not a result of works, and yet we are expected to do good works, not to earn salvation, but because we have received the gift of salvation. Sometimes we have to remind children to say thank you. And so they'll get a gift and they'll be engulfed and enraptured in this present, and we'll ask the question, what do you say? Which is really the statement, you should say, thank you. And so as Christians, after we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are not earning our salvation. Rather, we are living differently as if to say, thank you to Jesus for what He has done for us. And so as Christians, beginning then in chapter 4 of Ephesians, we are told how God wants us to live because we are saved. We are to find a place to serve. We are to grow and grow together in Christ-likeness. And it is a team sport. And now we are told that we are children of God and we are told to live like it. So here's the principle, the first principle I want you to grasp. For the person who becomes a child of God, there is an expectation of transformation. There is an expectation of transformation. The Holy Spirit who took up residence in you is the engine which drives this transformation. We, however, are to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 to chapter 5, verse 5, we are called to transform, to be transformed. 
called to cooperate with the work of the Spirit. And as we will read this entire section, but I will be focusing tonight on the tongue, speech. In this passage, we are instructed in several ways how we are to watch our tongue. So please join me and let's read verse 25. The first thing we see is that we are to speak the truth rather than falsehood. Verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So put away falsehood. Assumed in this verse is the reality that speaking falsehood was not uncommon for the Christians in Ephesus. And this could include exaggerating how good we are or how bad someone else is. This could include fabricating stories out of thin air. It could include bearing false witness. And the more I've studied the idea of false witness, it seems to have a bit in common with what we might call perjury. And so we're not to do those things. Christians should be known for speaking the truth. It is expected of us. What about, however, what about when we know that the truth will offend someone? Well, Christians, we need to master the art of speaking the truth in love. That doesn't guarantee that the truth will be well received. But we will have done our part. The result is between God and them. But we must speak the truth in a loving way. Verse 26 and 27, oftentimes the sins of the tongue appear when we are angry. Look at verse 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Now, we see something interesting here. Oftentimes the sins of the tongue appear when we are angry. Have you ever been upset perhaps at a coworker, and then said something you wished you could take back. I know I have. You're not alone. Probably everyone has done that. In intense moments of fellowship, as my friend Randy used to call it, in intense moments of fellowship with our spouses, we sometimes say things that we regret. When our kids are being annoying, we sometimes say things we regret. Intense moments in general create great opportunities for sins of the tongue. The threats of a high-stress environment are real in that we are very likely to be tempted to slip up and have a sin of the tongue. But we are still responsible for what we say. So Christians, watch your mouth. Especially when you are in an argument. Verse 28 gives us another expectation of transformation. And then verse 29 deals specifically with the tongue. Let's read these together. Verse 28 through, verse 28 through 32. Let the thief no longer steal. So there is an act of transformation once again. It's assumed that they were stealing, but transformation, which is expected, should lead to them no longer stealing. Rather, But rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Can I just pause and make one statement? I don't want to focus on verse 28 too much because I'm focusing on the tongue, but I want us to understand something. Especially if you've heard 
the last three Sunday morning sermons, you might think that's all we want to talk about as Christians. But verse 28, there is transformation there spoken of that we common overlook. Don't steal, rather work honestly. And here we're looking at the sins of the tongue. Let's pick it up in verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, which commonly show up in our words, and clamor and slander, be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Even there, this idea of forgiveness, the fact that we're being commanded to forgive, tells you that perhaps forgiveness is not natural for the human being. And as Christians, there's an expectation of transformation and that includes becoming forgiving people. But let's take a look at this thought about the tongue. Watch your mouth because it can be used for good or for evil. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Corrupting. Unwholesome or unhelpful. The New Living Translation translated it this way. Foul or abusive language. Or rottenness. Words can preserve or rot the social order. Jesus called us the salt of the earth. At least that is what we are supposed to be. Salt is a preserving agent that keeps meat from rotting. We must not speak words that rot our relational environment. We must not speak words that rot our relationship with our friends, family, neighbors, church members, but we should speak preserving words, helpful words, even healing words. That's what it means, in part anyway, to be the salt of the earth. For a while it became cool for youth pastors to use bathroom talk in their sermons. I'm not talking about four-letter words, but bathroom talk, not at Calvary. But it was a thing that was cool to do. I didn't do it. It's always seemed out of place to have a context of work, context in which God was worshipped and where people were discipled to also use potty language to make the students laugh. I think that's going away. But our words must build up. They must not rot. And while we must deal with real life situations, our words should help and not hurt. Our words should extend grace. That is, in some way, be a blessing. Some way, build up. Some way, encourage. Some way, edify. What a thought. Would you like to have coworkers that built you up and were encouraging or only saw the negative? Only saw the negative. I have a gift for seeing the negative. It requires a little extra work for me to speak words of encouragement. Our words should extend grace. And that is in some way we should be a blessing. We can't talk to people like they are dummies, even if at the moment they are sort of being like dummies. We can't talk down to them 
talking down to them or to their face or criticizing them behind their back is a failure to extend grace. It is a rottenness. Sometimes it is not what you say, but how you say it. How I say it. And so a question to ask is, are we saying something helpful? Are you saying something helpful? Or are we saying it out of frustration? The words that we speak to one another have the ability to either please or grieve the Holy Spirit. Whether we grieve or please the Spirit has to do with whether our words are sweet or bitter, peaceful or wrathful, kind or unkind, true or untrue, helpful or harmful, edifying or criticizing. But how we speak to or about one another can either bring in the blessing, the blessed work of the Holy Spirit, or it can grieve the Spirit. We must watch our mouths. As I'm standing here, I'm remembering the words of a dear saint, Pastor Joe. He has a statement, a question he would used to ask. Is Jesus obviously present and actively in control? And that will often show up in the way we speak to or about one another. If you don't like this sermon, you can blame Pastor Rob. I said, what should I preach about? And he said, why don't you talk about language? I said, you're on, buddy. We're doing it. We are supposed to speak and live differently because through faith in Jesus... We are different. Look at verse 1, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. This verse lays the foundational principle for why we are to be different. We are no longer children of wrath like the rest of mankind. It says in Ephesians 2-3, we were children of wrath, but now we are children of God. Therefore, we are called to be imitators of God as beloved children. God is our Heavenly Father. I couldn't help but think how scary it is sometimes when my children sound like me. I say goofy things, and then they reiterate those, restate those goofy things. Last night I told my son some stories about Bigfoot. I don't know if it's true or not. You heard about it, didn't you, Chad? You did. So I said, they, I said, guys, I don't know if Bigfoot's real or not, but it's fun to talk about. And then he tells me today he was telling all of his friends about Bigfoot. Like father, like son. I even asked Bill if he had heard, he, he camps a lot. So I was like, have you heard any Bigfoot sounds or seen any Bigfoot? But our, our kids pick up on what we do, and that is scary. You guys ever see that movie? The, okay, you guys don't watch TV, but The Christmas Story. And there's a scene in the, in the movie where mom says, hey, why don't you go help dad change the tire out on this car? Because they had a flat tire. And he says, he goes, he's like, mom had never asked me to help dad. This is new. So he goes out there and he's like, well, hold the hubcap and I'm going to put the nuts in there. And then he accidentally hits the, the hubcap and the, 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 the bolts go flying out into the, and he says, oh, fudge. Only I didn't say fudge. He said, I said the word the granddaddy of them all. And so he goes home and he gets 
His mouth washed out with soap. And mom wants to know, where did you learn that word? And she said, now, the narrator, which is him as an older person, says, now I had heard that time, that word at least six times a day from my old man. But I said the first word that came out of my mouth, Schwartz. And so she call, he picks up the phone, calls over to Mrs. Schwartz's house. Hi, Mrs. Sh- Flick. That was his name, rather. Do you, do you know what Ralphie said? And then she whispers it into the phone because you, it's you know, a clean movie. You can't hear it. What? And she goes, do you know where he heard it? Probably from his father. That was the, you heard through the phone. And she goes, no, he learned it from your son. And then you hear in the background, he's getting spanked. What do I do, Mom? What do I do, Mom? He learned it from his father, but he didn't have the guts to say it. Like father, like son. As Christians, God is our heavenly father. And the text is saying, live like him. And specifically, he's saying, talk like him. Or at least that's what we're focusing on tonight. Talk like him. Our heavenly father doesn't cuss. And we're to become more like him. You know, even sharing that story, knowing that we cleaned it up with fudge. It's a little scary as the preacher. Because we all know what the word meant. But we are to live and talk as God would have us live and talk. Look at verse 2-4. to four. And we walk, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you as is proper among the saints. I'm not going to dwell on this because we've talked about it so much in the morning sermons, but once again, sexual immorality appears in the text. And I simply would say this. This morning, I, this made it, this, this was on the cutting room floor. It didn't make it into the sermon, but I have tonight. A few years ago, a Baptist preacher caused a stir. Because he said that the Bible whispers about sexual sin. Well, that isn't true. It's all over the place. And so I'll just simply say it's there in the text. Transform life. As Christians, we are imperfect people. And there is a transformation that's expected to take place, including in our sexual lives. Period. Let's move forward. Not much else needs to be said. In verse 4, we return now to the call to transform speech. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude jesting, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Now your translation might have had a different word, but mine says filthiness, and or some said silly talk. And it was, it was a wrestling around with this idea of speaking in a sort of a foul way that, that might make people laugh, might not, but it was inappropriate talk. Christians aren't to talk like this. No disgraceful talk. Don't tell a story about sinful behavior simply for the sake of telling a juicy story. And you probably don't really need to listen to it either. But I want to just read, listen to Ephesians 5, 11, and 12. Don't just, don't speak disgraceful talk. Verse 11 and 12. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. How? By living a bright Christian life. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. In other words, don't even talk about those things. That's what he's getting at. 
No disgraceful talk, even when it comes down to sharing a story about something that somebody does that's juicy but dirty. Some behavior is so shameful that it is shameful even to talk about what people are doing. One of the things that's sort of been bothersome is that as a father of a smart 11-year-old, I get asked a lot of questions. And so I have to explain these things to him. Because where else is he going to learn it? But in those moments, when I have this awkward conversation with my son, because I don't think it's good to leave him in the dark about stuff he's asking me about, I feel the way of what he's, what Paul is talking about. I don't want to explain some of this stuff to him. When he asks me why the guy in the commercial is obviously a man but has makeup on, I answer. Then I have to explain, I don't, we don't hate this guy, but he's in sin against God. And he understands that. Some behavior is so shameful, is so shame, it's too shameful even to talk about it. So don't talk about it unless there is some compelling, edifying reason to do so. No crude joking, no dirty jokes. Colossians 3, 8 tells us to put away slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Some people might say, if I did that, I wouldn't say anything. Well, that might be a good place to start. But this is the concluding summary statement about foul, unhelpful, ungracious and sinful speech, these things are out of place in the kingdom of God. So Christians, watch your mouth. Preacher, watch your mouth. At a time when foul language, gossip, slander, and unwholesome talk are running rampant, Christians can be a witness for Christ simply by watching our mouths. We have people who I've heard reports about that people notice that they don't tell the dirty jokes. They don't laugh at them. It's noticeable. Why doesn't he tell the dirty joke? And then why doesn't he laugh when we talk about this stuff? It's a witness for Jesus Christ. Finally, one of the ways that we bring glory to our Father who is in heaven is through speaking in ways that build up rather than tear down. See, when I started to sit down and look at the, 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 this idea of watch your mouth, can I be frank with you? The Bible has a lot to say about how we talk. Cussing. I don't preach on that. This is maybe the first time I've ever preached on don't cuss. And there is a difference between cussing and cursing, by the way. Cursing seems to be about bringing judgment, calling for judgment. Cussing is just bad language. But then there's gossip, slander, foolish talk. And all those things are out of place for the Christian. And I don't know if you've noticed, bad language seems to be the in thing lately. So it's not hard to stand out. And that's what God's calling us to. Years ago, when I was starting to get serious about the Lord, there was during that process of transformation where my language was getting cleaned up, and I, you know, some, sometimes I say things I wish I hadn't. I don't know if, I'm sure I'm the only guy in the room that says stuff they wish they could take back. 
from time to time. But it was a lot more frequent. And at that point, a lot of words that you don't say in church. But it was cleaning up. And I remember one day I said something at work. And everyone knew I was there to the, the Jesus freak in the office. And I heard this guy's chair turning and I knew, I knew why he was turning. And so he's in the cubicle behind me and I just could feel his eyes staring right at me. And he's like, long story short, he, he just was like, what do you, how can you be a Christian and do that? And I just hung my head and I just said, you're right, I shouldn't have said that. I said, I don't claim to be perfect, but I'm trying to get better. And he was stunned. Do you want to know why? The only other Christian that he really knew was his aunt, who if she had said something like that and he called her out, she would have just made an excuse for herself and would pretend like she was perfect. Second thing, I want to be this. I want to be Billy Graham. Here's the story. Story is told, and I believe it's a true story. Uh, Billy Graham's not really known for lying. So, and the, so. He was on a golf tournament or like a golf outing and they put people together and they put with Billy Graham this notorious cusser. So they're out together on the golf cart and he's doing his usual routine where he's cussing when he misses the shots and they come back and they're like, well, what was it like being out with Billy Graham? He's like, it was awful. What did you say? This, that, and the other. He's like, what did he say? Nothing. He didn't even correct them for his language. And that ate him up. He knew it was wrong. Billy Graham didn't feel like he needed to prove that he was right and this guy was wrong. The testimony alone spoke volumes. Christians, we have an opportunity. Sometimes when you look at the world around us and you see how bad it's gotten at times, it's very discouraging. I'm going to share with you a little a, a thing I learned from a book, a leadership guru. I think it was John Maxwell. He talked about low-hanging fruit. Some things are really hard to accomplish. Other things are really get to. That's low, easy to get to. That's low-hanging fruit. We can't necessarily fix all the stuff around us, but low-hanging fruit would simply be having a good testimony because we clean up our language. We spoke edifying words. All right, let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for today. We thank you for your words. We are reminded that as Christians, we've got room to grow. At least I am. I pray that you'd help us all to speak edifying words, myself included. I pray that we'd have opportunities to simply be salt and light in a world that's dark and at times rotten. pray that this week as we go out, you'd give us the the wisdom to recognize opportunities to share the Lord Jesus and the Gospel and give us the boldness to take advantage of those opportunities to tell people about Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Dr. Dan Kitnoya, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Tilton, Illinois. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website, calvarytilton.com. That's calvarytilton.com. Thank you for listening.